Christy Moore, and welcome to another Health Perspectives podcast. Today, we are joined by Dr. Anna Powell. She's an obesity medicine specialist and also a family medicine physician. And today, our topic is going to be non-surgical weight loss options. So I know this is a really great topic that many will have interest in. So welcome, Dr. Powell. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you so much. Let's just start out by sort of laying a little bit of foundation here and talk about um, what criteria must someone to meet to be considered for a weight loss program, a medical weight loss program, and maybe even define what is a medical weight loss program. Okay. Um, so our medical weight loss program is, is just like it sounds. We um, offer support. We have a multidisciplinary team. We do work with our bariatric surgeon um, and that side of the, the bariatric program. But on the medical side, we offer medical support in conjunction with our, our dietitians, our dietary services, and our uh, behavioral health specialist as well. So um, to be a candidate for treatment through our medical weight loss program, um, we uh, open services to patients with a BMI over 30, um, or if you have a BMI down to 27 with a medical comorbidity that's associated with obesity, like hypertension, diabetes, um, reflux, uh, hyperlipidemia. There's um, a multitude of, of things that can happen with uh, the chronic disease of obesity. So we want to catch those patients that are at risk as well with a BMI down to 27. Are the programs that we have fairly new or have they been around for a while? Um, most have, have been around for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have worked really hard in the recent years to kind of bring, bring all of these existing services together mm-hmm. to just kind of integrate it and make it more of a, a supportive network for patients instead of them having to seek out each of these um, independently. Yes. So it sounds like the kind of thing that it's not really the one size fits all. That right. It's very individualized. Mm-hmm. So you, you talk with patients, find out their particular situation. Exactly. How much weight they need to lose, what health issues they're dealing with, and really look at it holistically. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's great. So for something like this, I'm sure folks might wonder whether or not insurance covers visits like this certainly um every insurance plan changes um it it seems annually with the weather um, but they vary from plan to plan so it's always best to to check with your insurance um plan itself to to make those um inquiries um there's some plans that will pay for um, the medical visits but may uh, limit your uh, visits with a dietitian. Some may look at it as a, a complete and comprehensive program. So um, that's really kind of a complex um, answer there. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Well, and I've heard some in the news lately about different weight loss medications mm-hmm. and some new ones that are on the market. Um, first of all, is I suppose not every patient that comes to you is necessarily going to be prescribed medication, but it's just one of the tools that you have to help right, people. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. 
Can you talk a little bit just about the medication side of things? Oh, sure. Um, So there are several FDA-approved chronic weight loss medications available. And you're right, there's there's definitely been some new development in the recent years. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of direct-to-consumer advertisement. So a lot of patients come in um, with those, you know, names ready and and want to know about those. Um, We have uh, also a lot of older medications that um, have a lot of tried and true evidence. And um, sometimes patients have even tried those before, but have not tried with some of the other services that we have available to them, or they didn't have continued support, or um, maybe didn't understand um, the complexity of the chronic disease of obesity and, and, you know, and didn't um, uh, stay stay with their plan. But uh, we typically address all of these things, starting with even your first visit and kind of um, tailor which uh, medications we we uh, look at being options for the patient and and kind of individualize that plan starting with lifestyle modifications and, and then adding in whatever tools seem appropriate that's good that's really good so I guess there's some different schools of thought but probably not in the physician community um, on what obesity itself and the fact that, I mean, it is a disease. I think most physicians may recognize right, that now. Right. But do you care to talk just a little bit about obesity itself and right. how it really is something that affects many health problems that people can have? It really it really does. Um, I think that it, it's definitely a good thing, even just since I've been out of training. We've come a long way in teaching the new generation of of just our general population, but especially our healthcare providers and and um, everyone in healthcare, just about how how complex the disease is and and the fact that it is a chronic um, medical disease and uh, disease process and and how it affects so many other things. There are components that we don't even know of yet, but certainly. Um, it's more than just lifestyle. It's more than just choices um, that patients make. And it's a disease that unfortunately is very stigmatized in, in society as a whole, but even within medicine. And mm-hmm. I think that really affects um, how patients uh, feel towards themselves and even influences how they ask for help or if they even ask for help. So um, sometimes just part of that education and in, in talking to people just in general um, help them understand that that it's okay to to seek out that help most definitely most definitely so I know like we've talked about how different people have different needs and not everyone might necessarily be prescribed medications but if someone does get prescribed a, a medication for weight loss is it usually something that they have to take long term or how does that shake out? Um, I like to uh, counsel patients um, just again on the complexity and the chronicity of the disease and I often compare it to other chronic conditions like diabetes um, and hypertension. I use the example of diabetes a lot. If you have uncontrolled diabetes and I give you insulin to control your blood sugar, if your blood sugar is now normal but I take that insulin away, your your sugar is going to come back up and your diabetes will be uncontrolled again. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we have to um, treat a 
obesity medicine the same way. Anti-obesity medications are treating a chronic disease. So um, very often these medications will need to be um, continued long term. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not without oversight. So if you, you know, experience dose related uh, side effects or other other um, uh, effects of being on medication long term, that doesn't mean that we may not need to make an adjustment Mm -hmm. or um, or, you know, addition or subtraction of some of your therapies. Yes. That was another thing I was curious about is, you know, uh, a lot of people are on other medications for things like diabetes Mm -hmm. or maybe high blood pressure. And I was curious about when they come to you and they get on a plan and they have great success and the weight really does start to come off over time, is that something that you all monitor? Like maybe someone's lost 30 pounds. Does their blood, if their blood pressure comes down, do they need to come off of that medication? And can you just talk a little about yeah. that? Uh, we actually do keep track of um, a multitude, um, certainly not all because there are hundreds, but mm-hmm. um, we have a, a, a running list of the most common um, uh, comorbidities associated with obesity. And we actually assess these um, that the patient either has or has developed or have gone into remission at each visit. Um, sometimes it's something we spend a little bit of time on if we need medication changes like you're talking about. Um, sometimes it's something that we're just kind of keeping track of and we don't actually um, talk a lot about it. Uh, we work uh, very closely with the primary care team um, of the patient, which most most of the time they do have a primary care provider. And um, at at some points, um, I've even had to reach out and say, hey, this patient is actually um, in for weight loss today, but she's telling me she's getting really dizzy and have the patient follow up with her mm-hmm. primary care uh, doctor. And sometimes it, it results in a, a dose change or maybe even they get to be off their blood pressure medicine. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that comes up a lot. Yeah, I bet. Wow. And sometimes I would imagine it might not even have to be 30 pounds you lose, sometimes even a modest weight loss can really Absolutely. make a big difference, right? Absolutely. We know that uh, just 5% of your weight loss. So, you know, if you weigh, you know, 200 pounds, 5% of your weight loss would be 10 pounds, um, can result in a decrease in your blood pressure, can um, result in better sleep quality and uh, control of your sleep apnea, better blood sugars, and even a, a, a lowering your cholesterol. Yeah, those are great examples. And what great outcomes to have. Um, I'm curious also about how much weight a person could really expect to lose. And I guess that's kind of a hard question. Right, right. (laughs) But that question gets asked at every first initial appointment. Absolutely. Um, So I like to go just straight with the numbers and and tell patients on average, we see, um, depending on what you read, three to five percent weight loss with diet and exercise alone. And that usually doesn't surprise people because they've they've done these changes by the time they come to see us. Um, So three to five percent weight loss with diet and exercise alone. By adding anti-obesity medication, we usually see about 10% weight loss, and those are average numbers. Certainly, we see more. Sometimes, we see less, but um, you're usually looking at 10% um, of your body weight loss with adding anti-obesity medication. That's great. Mm-hmm. If you can double your success. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, and I guess looking back over the past, like just trends in weight loss, therapies, and different things people do, 
I know at one time meal replacements was kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Is that still something that might be a good option for some people? For some people, it, it is a good option, especially um, if they're really needing that um, education from our, our dietitians and that, that piece on uh, just nutritional literacy and or or help with meal planning, um, we do offer two um, specific meal replacement um, solutions. We offer Robart and uh, OptiFast, and both have their um, um, specificities, but um, it's, we like to tell our patients, um, you know, just being realistic, um, while you may see results with this, it's just important to really know what your lifestyle changes need to be. And, um, because a meal replacement program is usually not going to be a chronic tool that you use for the rest of your life. And unfortunately, obesity is there for the rest of your life. So we have to um, work on these other tools, um, for success while we, while we, um, use meal replacement, but we do have that available for patients. Makes sense. That makes sense. And if I could just swing back around to um, another insurance question or two, Um, part of the, I guess, the tools that we've talked about are visits with a dietitian or visits with a behavioral health specialist. And if those are kind of part of your specialized plan as a patient, is that, are the things like that covered by insurance usually? Oftentimes they are. Um, Those are billable services just like uh, your medical consultation is. Um, But again, every insurance is different, so it's always uh, good to check with your plan. But um, especially if you have other diagnoses that are are related to um, uh, the the, um, issues that you're having with the uncontrolled obesity, like for instance, with behavioral health, um, anxiety, depression, and if that is a treatment uh, for that as well, a lot of times insurance does pay for that too. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's important pieces. It's essential. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do y'all usually do, um, some telemedicine visits also? We do offer telemedicine. We, we prefer to keep your initial appointment in person. Um, mainly we need you know, measurements, we may need uh, specific testing that we physically need you there for. And it, it just lends to uh, better medicine and better care uh, for the patient to be in person for your initial um, intake uh, uh, visit. But after that, we, we do have um, the, the potential to do um, some altering, um, alternating, uh, excuse me, of, of um, in-person and um, telehealth visits if that is what the patient needs. Got it. Very good. So, Let's switch gears just a little bit and and touch on the whole surgical weight loss option. Um, Is there really, I mean, just out of curiosity, are there more non-surgical weight loss patients than surgical or... What's that kind of look like? Um, I I don't know if I know the necessarily the exact numbers, but yeah, um, I would say that's really hard because in general, uh, I think it's less than one percent of patients that are actually um, eligible for and need bariatric surgery actually get it. So, a lot of times we're we're seeing patients somewhere in between, you know, that where they may be a surgical patient, but either don't have insurance coverage or they're not, 
you know, personally ready for that decision. Um, but I, th- I think we definitely have, you know, a healthy mix of both. Um, and we have patients that go really in between us who have, um, you know, preconceived notions and come in and say, I absolutely don't want surgery. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a few months and if they're not responding to therapies and we circle back to the fact that they're a candidate, they have, you know, kind of, you know, now seen their own physiology and say, okay, I do need this tool. And, yeah. and the other way around, for whatever reason, if a patient isn't a surgical candidate or, um, is unfortunately unable to, you know, get insurance coverage for it. They can transition over to the medicine side and, and we can work with the, the tools that we have non-surgically to help with them um, as well. Yeah. So it sounds like really it's great to have sort of this arsenal of tools mm-hmm. and it's just depending on what's needed. And right. again, goes back to that specialized care that's tailored to people. Right. That's really good. How about when people, and I guess this could be with bariatric surgery or even do people, hmm, I'm thinking about this, do people hit plateaus if they're on uh, medication? Oh, absolutely. Do they? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's important for us to talk about. And I usually bring up at our, even our first visit and it, it's surprising a lot of patients. It, it actually doesn't surprise them and is kind of a relief to hear that that's expected because that's what they've experienced before. Yeah. yeah. You know, many times, many of our patients have even tried some obesity, anti-obesity medications when they come to us. So, um, also it, I think it's important to have that conversation so that we know that our body you know, has that response. It's, it's actually has a name. Now we have learned in the recent years that that's actually called metabolic adaptation and your, your body actually adapts and changes your metabolism, lowers your metabolism, um, burns less energy to conserve it, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do. Um, when it senses that, that your weight is going down. Um, and that actually happens at a, at a, alarming weight you don't have to lose very much like maybe a a pound or two even um, can decrease the amount of calories that you burn per day and um, as we see that happening it's important to um, recognize that and talk to patients and and kind of change our approach and sometimes that means you know adding this much physical activity changing this type of physical activity changing your your um type of, of macros and, and, um, calories in, and sometimes it means a medication change. Yeah. Isn't it, this is so fascinating how the body responds Mm -hmm. and just the science behind all of this. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. It is. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you can think of that maybe our listeners might be interested in or anything we didn't cover? I think um, something that comes up sometimes is how uh, how often are our patients going to need to be seen or they want to know how how often we're going to check in on them or kind of just what the plan looks like. And um, and again, that's kind of a individualized approach. Um, certainly there are um, some uh, guidelines that, that we uh, do have to follow with uh, certain um, medications and and uh, dispensing um 
uh, regulations, but in general, we typically see uh, patients for their initial visit and then usually for a four to six week follow up. Um, and then we typically see them about monthly um, to every six weeks for um, at least the first uh, 12 to 16 weeks. So basically your first four months, we're seeing you almost monthly. Um, and that's because we, we uh, want, really want to track the response to uh, our therapy um, and that's another question that I get to patients. I mean, they know if it's not working, they're not losing weight. They know when they're losing weight that it's working, but, um, kind of like when, when, um, do they expect to, to see a change or, or when, when do we know if it's time to, to amp up things? And, um, typically I, I tell them these, these are numbers that we're looking at more percentages, um, because again, it's not, you know, um, there's difference between men, between women, between your ages, um, and how our body loses uh, weight in general. Um, but that we are looking to see you lose at least 5% of your body weight in the first uh, 12 weeks. And if not, then we may need to kind of reassess our, our approach. And, and sometimes that means different medication. Sometimes that means more, you know, education with our uh, dietitians. And, and sometimes it may even mean that we really need to revisit that discussion on if surgery is a, a better option for, for you. Gotcha. So do people need a referral to see one of you guys about a weight loss program or can people refer themselves? Um, for our services, certainly they can refer themselves to us. We have patients self-refer all the time. Um, but again, I, I just recommend to check with your insurance. Some insurance um, do yeah. require referrals to come from uh, the patient's assigned primary care provider. So in that um, instance, then the referral would need to come from their uh, primary care um, physician. But we, we do get patients all the time who have self-referred or a friend has referred them or, or their specialist um, sometimes has even referred them. Good, good. Okay, so if someone wanted to reach out and get more information, what's the best way to do that? Um, you could call our office uh, at our number that is uh, 770-219-9200, uh, but you could also uh, reach us through our website at ngpg.org and search non-surgical weight loss and bariatrics. Perfect. Well, we appreciate your time today. It's been definitely a, a learning time, and this is such needed services, and I hope that our listeners have gotten something out of this and that everybody knows that your health is the most important thing, and you are definitely worth it. So if you're interested, please do reach out, and thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you.